myself into the Kook Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Not coming to you from Sweet Recording today. I'm coming to you from my house because of snow. But if you have a podcast or a video cast or an audio book, or if you need some footage shot, please check out Joe Ganjami at Sweet Recording. He's a great guy. He knows what he's doing and he's very fair in his price. So reach out, check out their website at hello at Sweet Recording, S U I T E recording.com, or email them at hello at Sweet Recording.com. Anyway, we have a great show today. We have some people, I haven't seen a few of you in a while, and uh, we have someone who gave me a great bottle of wine at Christmas, and I drank that. And uh, my first guest from Laurel Oak Wealth Management is Joanne Morgano. How are you doing, Joanne? How are you doing, Steve? How are you? Good to doing see well. you. Next, from Cumbia, we have Michael Paperno. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me today. And finally, from Siachia CPA, Megan Siachia. How are you doing, Megan? I'm great. Thanks for having me, too. So, Joanna, tell us a little more about what you do in your company. Okay. I, I'm I'm a financial advisor with Laurel Oak Wealth Management, which is an Ameriprise franchise. I've been an advisor for 16 years, so I work with clients on helping them reach their financial goals. One of the things that I love about Ameriprise and working with Laurel Oak Wealth Management is that I can really work with many types of clients. I can work with people that are just coming out of college and really get them into really good behavior and good habits. I also work with a special sector of women that have been recently divorced or suddenly single through, you know, wit becoming widows, so through death. So it's very exciting for me because you really get to help people. And certainly I work with that suite of people that are about to retire. So their money has to be segmented differently and in a, in the market is certain way and out of the market a certain way so it's a very very rewarding job a career and um, I really help people manage their emotions too because I like to say that the stock market you know runs on two emotions it's feed and uh, fear and greed so um, you know I just really enjoy what I'm doing so thank you for having me today that's great uh, how about you Michael tell us a little more about Cambia Thanks, Steve. Yeah, Convia Group, we're a group of leadership, communication, and executive coaches. So what that means is we help people be better leaders for the people on their team. We help leaders also be better and more confident speakers and presenters. We do a lot of presentation, presentation coaching and rehearsals. And then we also help, help leaders make their teams more collaborative, more creative, and higher performing through interpersonal communication coaching and training. So I do a lot of workshops, in-person trainings, and then also a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching for the leaders and managers that I coach. And Megan, tell us about CPA world. Right, so I am, like you said, a CPA. We are a full service CPA and accounting firm in Seoul. We work with small to medium sized businesses, on anything from their daily bookkeeping all the way up to outsource CFO work. Like Joanne, I love what I do because I work mm -hmm. with all industries. I don't necessarily specialize in an industry. We work with businesses from startup all the way through their exit planning and succession uh, planning for their businesses. You know, you all have interesting jobs and I always find out everyone has a story. I want to know how you got to the position you're at today because, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people change jobs and, and a lot of people through the years it's not like back in the day when people would stay at the same job for 25 or 30 years and wait for a watch so everyone's changed so michael how did you get to where you are today 
I'll try to keep it brief for you, Steve, because it's quite a long story, but <laughs> you'll see the theme line I hope that you'll see is I've always been a teacher and lover of good communication. So mm -hmm. I was a high school teacher when I first started my career. I wanted to be an actor. I didn't quite make it as in that career, but I fell in love with teaching, did that for a while, fell out of love with teaching at the high school level, moved into marketing, got really into financial services marketing, and then my career evolved into being a creative director in a medical communications firm. And that job transformed me because I realized I was really good at helping people communicate complex stuff in ways that the audiences would understand. So I used that, op that opportunity of really finding something I was good at to start my own firm. So I started a branding agency that catered mainly to medical communications companies at first, and then full service, life sciences, and, and other industries as well, uh, built and scaled and sold that agency, had a great time with that. And then when it was time for my next chapter, I just, I wanted to get back to teaching. I thought I was going to go back into academia because I was doing some adjuncting at universities, but I just wasn't ready to leave the business world. So I thought to myself, I'm an entrepreneur, well, I'm going to create a company that helps business leaders with their communication. And that's how the Comvia group was born. So I've been coaching and teaching on various ways for 30 years, but this is just the most recent incarnation of that with the Comvia group. And, and like both Joanne and Megan said, I love what I do. I love to wake up every day knowing, looking at the calendar and knowing that these people that I'm going to meet with today or the people that I'm going to meet two weeks from now in training and in person are there because they want to be better leaders. And I can be a catalyst to help them do that. That's great, man. How about you, Megan? How, how What's your path? Right. So my, like my not so secret, dark secret is that I don't have a degree in accounting. I, my degree is in sociology. When I first graduated college, I was working in the mental health field and I was a third of the way through my master's in social work when I basically was like, what am I doing? I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. I worked with um, a pretty tough population and at one point I had a knife pulled on me in Atlantic City. And I think that was when, yeah, I don't wanna do this. Um, my dad's a CPA. So I started to kind of look that route. And I went back to take all the accounting classes that I needed to accounting and business to be able to sit for the CPA exam. The same week I started accounting 101, I started working for my dad and I never left. I, I worked for him um, in, starting in 2003. I became a licensed CPA in 13, became a partner of the firm same time. And then going on three years ago, I bought my father out when he retired in 2021. Um, so that was kind of my journey, not the traditional typical route that that you hear from a CPA in any way. How about, how about you, Joanne? Um, I would say this this is my second career, but I actually started in financial services. I was a vice president of marketing for a boutique firm um, in the 80s called WH Newbolds. I left that um, to go into advertising and healthcare marketing, but it was always bothering me that I should have gotten my licenses, I could do it. And, you know, it was very male dominated back then. And even when I started 16 years ago, but Throughout the course, I felt that women really needed help. They were definitely risk averse. And it was important to me to be a trusted advisor and to work as a fiduciary, always in the best interest of the client. 
So, I mean, it's been fast forward for the 16 years. I mean, it's a lot of education. And what I like most too, is that everything is changing. The economy is constantly changing. You have so many factors in there to build portfolios and to, you know, counsel clients. But it was, you know, it's, I would say this is Joanne 2.0. <laughs> so I like to think of it that way. And I, I really wish this would have been 1.0. I kind of started out that way in as the vice president in marketing. But, you know, I think I was I was still young. I was 27, 28, and I was attracted to, you know, something different. But then this was really, truly my love. So I'm here and I'm, I like it. It's funny. All of you said earlier how much you love your job. Mm -hmm. You love it. That being said, I want to ask you, what challenges do you have in your job? I mean, what is a challenge you have that you really don't like? Because we can we can say we love everything. I can love my wife, but you know, when she remakes the bed when I after I make it, I go that you know, I love her, but that's that's a challenge. It annoys me. But Megan, what's a challenge or something, a challenge you face, you know, a lot or something that you don't really like about your job because like anything, as I said earlier, we can't love everything all the time. Right. Um, so there's two things really the, the day-to-day -day operations of running the business. I really love what I do. I love working with, with finances and my clients, but the actual like admin part, part of running the business, I just want to like bang my head on the desk. Yeah. Um, when, when I was partners with my dad, he handled all of that. So I didn't have to, um, but I have a really great team. Um, my sister-in-law's my my assistant, so she's really taken a lot of that off my plate. So I've been able to find that. Um, and it's really lonely. Um, that's kind of the other thing that's so hard about the business. It's it's lonely being being the the leader of the group and not necessarily having the business partner that I was used to having and being able to, you know, take the 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 full soul decision making off of myself. People don't understand sometimes how 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 lonely it is being an entrepreneur. But there's people in the community that that help it not be so lonely. How about you, Michael? You know, Steve, I'm really good at helping other people present the best version of themselves and, and go out and get what they want. And But the part of the business that I like the least is marketing myself and doing that work. And it's hard for me. And I, I, I have a marketing and branding background. I know how to do it. It's just not something I enjoy doing for myself. So I will facilitate and coach and create workshops and programs all day long and procrastinate telling anybody about them. So I actually had to hire a sales coach to keep me accountable for that. It's crazy. That procrastination is a big, one of my big weaknesses. How about you, Joanne? What's one of your uh, challenges? I think for me, it's really onboarding clients because there's so much that there's so many balls in the air constantly, and you can never really complete one task at a time. You know, you're waiting for a transfer form or a signature or the money to come in or the the a credit card number. So that's difficult for me just because I like to, you know, every day I come in, I like to write down what I need to do, but then you can't reach the client or the client's on vacation. So it's, I always feel like there's a lot of balls up in the air. So we have a lot of checks and balances to make sure that when we're working together as a team, that we don't forget this or not forget to remind someone about that. The other thing for me is because we're heavily regulated, um, I can't really market myself directly. So I have to always get approval for a podcast. I have to get approval to 
do something on LinkedIn. And it's never like, it's never instant marketing for me because I have to send it to them for approval. I also, and I had to wait two days. By then they sold news to me. I also have a television show on RVN TV and it's called It's Your Money. So I work with a partner um, from another firm, but for that, for my company to review it, there's a huge fee for that. And so I never have them review it. I'm approved to do it, but I can't promote that show directly, but my partner can. So those are some of the, the ba- a little obstacles for me, you know, day to day. It's funny when you mentioned the regulations, because I remember I saw something <laughs> on LinkedIn, this company, this guy who works with one company. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow that's such a cool post. And then I saw three other people that work for the company and they had the exact same post. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, because it's all <laughs> yeah. from corporate. And I'm like, oh my God. Yes. So, that's what you don't like about your job. What, is, what do you consider a strong point of your of your personality? I mean, I, I try to be, you know, I'm funny. I try to make people laugh. That's one of my strong mm-hmm. points. Michael, what's a strong point that you not only you know you possess, but you're proud of? I'm proud of the fact, and people have told me this, and I do believe it about myself, is that I make people feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And when you're a coach, that's critically important. And listen, I'm not the right coach for everybody. I want to work with the people who, who feel that I can help them, but also who feel like they can be open and honest with me in a safe space and they know that I have their back and I'm there for them. So I I feel like in my coaching work, I make people feel comfortable talking about things that maybe they're not talking to anyone else in their life about. And then also in workshops, I've been told, and it just makes me feel so proud that by the end, by the by the middle of the first day of a two-day workshop, people feel completely safe being open and honest and working on themselves. Like for example, a presentation skills workshop. Sometimes I'm videotaping people and we're looking at them back and we're we're critiquing each other. That space has to be safe. People have to be comfortable to feel good about being exposed like that. And I really think I do a good job of creating those environments for my clients. How about you, Joanne? Um, I would say that I'm totally honest and I think that people appreciate that. I have a lot of life skills, life experience. So when I say to people, you know, you are going to want to retire by the time you're 60 or 62, because you, you know, you, you feel worn out by the time you reach that point. So it's best to prepare for that. And I also get a lot of people that want to get to a certain level and they start to compare themselves to their neighbors or other people. And I tell them that comparison is the thief of joy. Once you compare yourself to someone else, you just start to become miserable. The focus is on you, what we can do to help you get to your point. So I really think that people trust my honesty when I say, you're not going to get to that goal unless you do this, or you can get there, but you have to change certain things. And I help people you know, modify their spending behavior. And I think that they they appreciate that. The comparison things bad because I always compare myself to Bradley Cooper and I always feel awful because I'm, I'm nothing. Okay, like so it. there, don't do that. Oh, that's, that's a good point. You're funnier point. than Bradley Cooper, Steve. Now, come on. <laughs> Maybe the Kevin Bacon in our, our area because everybody links back to you. Maybe you can do that. Maybe that. Okay. Seven I degrees like you, of separation. <laughs> I'd have to say I'm very dedicated. Like I'm dedicated to my family, my team at work, my clients. 
sometimes, you know, I'm so dedicated, there's a lack of boundaries, but like if I have a client that had a deadline of yesterday, you're going to believe I'm going to get whatever they need done because I'm, I'm just truly dedicated. I've, I have a client right now that has had a transition and they called me yesterday. When can you stop out? I was out there this morning because like, I know that what they need really hinges on me getting out there pretty quick and I'm, I'm dedicated sometimes to a fault, but yeah. Can I just underscore that? You know, our our strengths can really be our kryptonite. And I'm mm -hmm. glad that you brought that up because that's a lot of what I discuss sometimes with leaders is they have these strengths and they they to some people it doesn't come off as a strength and it's a blind spot for them. Like I'm a self-confident guy, but I've been called arrogant. And that hurts my heart when I've been called arrogant. But I came off as arrogant to that person, even though I was well intended. So it's interesting. That's a lot of what I talk about in my practice too, Megan. Right. It's yeah, very it's true. funny. Yeah, it really is. Like sometimes when I'm at, when I'm networking and I, I don't really know, you know, like you've reached a point in a conversation, I have an, an opener that I say, what is your greatest strength? That's also your greatest weakness. And it gets people really thinking and, and it really promotes a lot of dialogue that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned networking and I want to, I want to hit this. We'll get to networking later, but I want to, I want to ask you right now, because we all do network. That's how I met you all. What mm -hmm. is something when you meet someone and you want to refer them for business, because, you know, we can't refer everybody. And there's some people we meet and be honest, we just don't like, I mean, it's not, it's the way of the world. What is a characteristic in someone that you meet that you feel will feel confident referring? There's all, we've all been burnt. You know, we referred someone and they haven't called or they sat there and they just did a crappy job. But we're going to say with you, Joanne, what's, what's a characteristic when you meet someone, what's a characteristic that you say, you know what? I, this person I can tell is good at what they do and I, I will gladly refer them. Well, certainly it has to be someone who's got good experience. So how do you determine that? I think you have to, that's a, um, on a neat go by go basis, but it has to also be someone that can connect with people. If you're the, the most intelligent person in the world and you can't relate to people, that's, that's not going to work. So I like someone that has more friendly appeal, but I do want to make sure that they have the skills and abilities to accomplish the job. How about you, Michael? For me, everything that Joanne just said, but then I'd add like a trait that, that really helps me feel confident is when someone is a good listener and someone asks good questions and I can tell that they're invested in a conversation with me like that just tells me that this person is a true probably solution person and not just a selling person so when they can listen at that level where I know that I'm being heard and I know that they're doing their best to understand then that credibility level definitely goes up a notch how about you Megan so it's not necessarily a characteristic or a trait that I can put into words. It's, you know, when I refer, if, if a client calls me and asks me for an attorney or something, like I want to feel confident that whoever I'm giving them is going to kind of treat my clients the same way that I treat them. Um, because we do treat our clients. Our level of service is top notch in my firm. And if I, if I send somebody to somebody and they treat them pretty poorly, I feel like it reflects bad on me. Um, so, so it's really how I feel of how they're going to treat the client that I'm sending to them. Actually, we're going to stay with networking. I want to talk to you because I know both of you, Joanne and Megan are involved with um, NABO, which I was, which is a good, it's a great group. You know, it's a, it's a different, it's a different world 
women networking and guy networking. I mean, the guys walking like, hey, we're the big shot in the room. Women seem very helpful. The events I have been phenomenal. That being said, what constitutes a good networking event to you and a bad networking event to you? We'll start with you, Megan. What are you going in? Do you like about a networking event? So, you, oh, this is fun. Like you've been to coffee, uh, cocktails with Cooper Joanne. People just come out and it's chill. But yeah. what constitutes something good? What constitutes something bad? You can say anything because a guy last week said, I love a good spread. There's good food. It has to have good food. And I said, well, at least he's honest. So how about you, Megan? What do you? So I don't necessarily look at networking good versus bad. I look at it as good versus great. Um, I once had a coach use those words to me, like what's what's a good networking versus what's a great because anything is good. Like, sure, there's bad ones, but for the most part, anything is good. It's really looking for what that right opportunity is. Um, so it's really what it, what the difference between good and great. And a lot of times, like when I network, I don't really care about a program. I want to I'm networking to connect with people. Um, so the, the networking events that aren't really networking, it's 20 minutes and then you sit down for lunch and you don't really get a chance to connect. Um, so for me, the networking that it's really the opportunity to connect and, and, and meet other people. I recently did a speed networking and in person, that was a really great, um, opportunity because it wasn't typical networking. Like you knew what people wanted to to really get in front of, and you were paired with somebody who was really looking to talk to a CPA or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so that was a really great opportunity. Um, I, I really don't, you know, bad as when nobody shows up because we've all been there for those, right? Where it's nobody mm -hmm. just is there. It's not really well attended. So I'd, say, I'd have to say that would be a bad one if people just aren't showing up for the event. How about you, Michael? Quality over quantity for me. So a bad one for me is talking to a bunch of people and never really, as Megan said, connecting. So a good networking event for me, to be honest with you, if I have one good conversation and educate someone about what I do and they get it and they're willing to consider me or tell someone else about me, that's great. Because the way my business works is it's a relationship business, like every business, but Nobody's going to hire me until they like and trust me. So I really need people to get to know me. So if I plant that seed in a network event with one or two people, that's a win for me. And Steve, you provided that for me during COVID. You have these great networking groups where it wasn't just about speed and the elevator pitch. It was about getting into rooms with lower quantity people to have deeper conversations. Thank you. Um, Joanne, how about you? Well, of course, I agree with what Megan and Michael said. To me, it is the quality. And would you believe it? I'm very shy. So when I walk into these things, I don't like say, oh, hi, I'm the financial advisor you need and you should hire. Because the moment I tell people I, I am a financial advisor, they're like, oh, I have one. I have one. So <laughs> I don't need you. <laughs> and, and it just so I cut that. I've learned that quickly. I um, I always tell ask people what they do, what their interests are. And if I walk out with three contacts or one to three, I feel that's successful. And then I follow up the next day by trying to have a virtual meeting with them to see how I can help them a little bit or help them with what they're doing and leverage some of my contacts that way. So that's been um, successful for me. But yeah, I when I walk into these networking sessions, I'm like, oh, 
God, I'm so shy. I really am shy. Me too, Joanne. You may think presentation coach, she's a, a former one to be an actor, is going to be this extroverted person, but I'm yeah. actually a classic introvert. I, I will turn it on when it's going to help someone, and I love to do it. It's not fake at all. I love it. But put me in a room with a bunch of people and expect me to network, it takes a lot. And then by it's, the time I'm done, I got to recharge. I'm wiped. I know. Wiped it's out. hard. It's hard I'm, for I'm me actually, too. I'm shy. I'm shy also. And I, I'm, people don't oh, see. But I don't believe but that. Now. I do. I am. I, I will go. If I go to a party, I don't need to be. Because I, 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 did, I, did, I did over 2,000 comedy shows. I don't need to be funny. I don't need people to. I didn't even tell anyone I did comedy when I moved back here. And. If I go to an event, I'll I'll usually gravitate to the side and see if anyone comes up to me because that's where you get the best conversations, even at a party. You know, I'll, if I meet someone, I'll talk to them all night if they're cool, be the same interest. But I don't, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't, I'm not a snob. I just, I don't need the bullshit. You know, I don't need the bullshit mm -hmm. that goes with it. So anyway, so, okay. Well, you said you're shy, both Michael and uh, Joanne and Megan. I don't think you're shy because I've met you and I know you're not shy, but what, makes you a good networker then if you're shy because you are good networkers because you're on the show i don't think people i don't think are have any interesting stories or good networkers what makes you a good networker joanne i don't know if i'm a good networker i mean i don't think i am um i i don't i don't really feel that way about myself but i just try to be myself and try to be as authentic as possible when i'm there and i think that people recognize that I think if you are not yourself, people are smart. They pick that up. So, and, um, you know, I usually try to meet several people, but I really like to have more meaningful conversations. So um, that's kind of the way I do it. But thank you for the compliment. <laughs> How about you, Michael? I think it's because of my love of relationships and forming them and Mike also I'm very curious I, I love to hear people's stories and what they do and especially if it's different from my journey and I just love to listen and and facilitate conversation with people and to learn new things so while I'm bad at the initial outreach mm -hmm. I'm very good at making the connection and I think that's what makes me a a good networker once I get into that mode and am actually doing it because again, I'll procrastinate it. How about you, Meg? So while I'm not shy, I do think sometimes I'm awkward. Um, I'm not that person that's comfortable just walking up to somebody that mm -hmm. I don't know and be like, Hey, I'm Megan. What do you do? But two <laughs> things that have helped me. A couple of years ago, there was a woman who worked for SJ biz. She was a salesperson and she has she passed away a few years ago but Andrea was always the person at a networking event that she seeked out the people that were kind of standing off to the side or that walked in mm -hmm. and kind of was like looking around and clearly was new mm -hmm. and she was that person she was never an mm -hmm. ambassador for the chambers but she was that person that would walk up and start to talk with them so after she passed away I said I'm going to try and be like Andrea like every every networking event needs an Andrea and I'm so that helps. The other thing, Steve, you met me when I was president of Nobo, and that always helps people that aren't comfortable networking. 
having a task at networking events. You know, when I was president of the of the, the 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 chapter, there was always something to do. I was never just standing around waiting to talk to somebody. I was always busy or somebody always needed mm -hmm. to talk to me. So that helps for people that aren't comfortable mm -hmm. with networking. You know, get on a committee that you might, you know, help at the the check-in table. You know, you have something to do so you don't feel awkward going into those situations. Yeah, that's a great point. So so you know we're all at different points in our lives. All you all have different second careers and whatever. And we all change as we get older. And you know what I mean for me what I thought was success, what I wanted was successful at 25 or 30, I probably would have been dead by now. I, you know it's just you know that's just the life of a performer. But what now your point now in life, what do you define as success? Because it changes, you know, it's some people like when they're younger, they go, oh, man, all I care about is a cool car, you know, and I go, I, I have a, a little Kia, I'm fine with that, you know, I, don't, I don't care, you know, what is Michael, what do you, what do you define as success for you personally? Success for me is waking up every day and wanting to do the work that I do. See, I, I, my career, even though I've changed careers, technically, when you look at it four times, it looks like it's all over the place. That whole, all of that, everything I've done in the past, I don't regret one bit because it's gotten to me, me to where I am today. And where I am today is I get to get up and really look forward to the work that I'm going to do that day because I feel truly that it's making a difference for others. So me being able to serve others, get paid for it, and ha and and make a living by doing what I love so much is just really, really, really fulfilling for me. How about you, Joanne? I like that I'm in balance. And I think that because I'm at this age compared to being 20, 30, 40, trying to get and, and acquire and move and move up, I think this is a perfect age for me now and a perfect point in my life because I have balance. I have a sick mother, so I'm able to be there for her. And I can I know I can work late at night and get things done. So I I like that. And I feel happy because I do other things. I'm I'm part of a, you know, a couple of big dinner groups. I get to meet people that way, but I love food. I love to eat. So, and I love to dream about it and, and travel. So I think that, you know, this type of career, um, you know, because I have this flexibility, it makes me happy and people feel that. And I think that's why they, they enjoy working with me. You know, you don't want to work with someone who's miserable or a workaholic. And so I, I love the balance that I have at this point. How about you, Megan? So for me, success has a lot to do with mindset. Um, you know, just kind of whatever mindset I've decided to show up that day. You know, like Michael, I show up to work and I love what I do. So that's kind of successful to me in a way that I'm happy with what I do. I'm able to support my family, my team and their families. That's also a great um you know, way to define success. But there was one day just recently that I said, you know, I feel like it was a success that I knew that we had this big project that had to be done. Um, we've changed a lot of software and processes over the last six months. And there was a project that had to be done that we had to update our entire database. And it was probably 20 hours of work. And the old me would have been like, oh, I'll just bang it out on a weekend sitting on the couch. 
And instead I looked to see like, oh, what other resources do I have? And guess what? I paid my kids to do it, my two teenage boys. And to me, I'm like, that's success right there. The fact that I just didn't, like I've completely shifted my entire mindset of what I do and what, what somebody else can do and how I choose to spend my time. You bring up mindset. Mindset is very important. And, you know, we, we all do sometimes wake up in a funk, you know, and you'd be the happiest person in the world. If I'm in a funk, I'll put music on. That's what gets me going. You know, if you wake up in a funk, and Michael, because you deal with coaching and all this, if you wake up in a funk, you know, and you're like, I have to meet a client, but I feel like shit. You know, I just don't feel like I'm in a good mood. What do you do? What puts you in a better mood that makes you know that you can go do your job and, and you're going to get out of it? You know, it's funny. I... Sometimes taking a walk, getting some outdoor, getting some light, mm -hmm. getting outdoors, that'll really help me change the mindset. But sometimes you can't do that. And to be honest with you, I will look at testimonials of people that worked with me, or I'll think about someone who referred me to someone else because that meant I made that much of a difference for them. And that just totally changes it for me. It's like, okay, yeah, you might be a little bit annoyed with something or feeling a little, uh, a little imposter syndrome or whatever, but you know what? Let's let's flip that. Let's reframe that. Look at what you've done for other people and look how they've felt. Look how you've made them feel, and that just instantly turns it turns it around for me. How about you, Megan? Um, I'm a morning person, so I very rarely wake up in a funk. Uh, but the first thing I do almost every morning is work out, whether it's lift in the garage or on the Peloton. My funk may end up happening a little bit later in the day, like that three o'clock slump where it's just been so busy or clients are calling or it's just hectic chaos during tax season or something. And I'm really fortunate that I've surrounded myself with great people. My team is great. Like I said, my sister-in-law works for me. She um, practices and teaches yoga. So she brings that level of calm to the office when we need it. Mm -hmm. So she's great when any of us in the office are in a funk. Um, you know, I have a really great support and network system with uh, with NALBO, whether it's people I've met nationally or locally. So that kind of helps just to kind of talk to somebody about whatever's bothering me and Normally, I, if I get off the phone, I have a friend and a business partner in another business who's also a CPA. So she's really great. Her and I, if something's wrong with a client, just to call and whether it's to vent or to talk something through. So I, I reach out to the people that I've chosen to surround myself with to help get out of those slumps. I do that too, Megan. That, that really, really helps, especially someone who's going to make me laugh. Yeah. Or, or just cry with you or... <laughs> right <laughs> I think it's a combination I do a combination of both Megan and and Michael uh, I know that uh, physically if you get moving um, that's what I do I will go on my Peloton I will get a workout done especially if it's a bad day and I call my husband I really really do because he's so he's so removed from what my what I do with my industry that and you know i can never reveal names or anything like that but he always points to the future and and to the success of the past and he's very quick on the phone because he's got a busy job so i gotta get the advice and move on and i usually do i'm still waiting for someone to say i light up the joint i'm just waiting for it I, one day someone's going to say it because it's legal now you can but i had a friend who used to sit there and he, this guy would smoke every day. And I'd be like, we're driving yeah. to help him move. And he's, I'm like, dude, you, we're moving. You know, I'm helping you move. And I was like, how do you all day? But 
no one's answered that way and it's fine steve well, let's get when when yeah. covid first hit like days after right like businesses are shut down and and us as cpas like we're concerned it's the middle of tax season all of our clients are calling us with their horror stories and stuff and i remember there was one of early nights i was laying in the bed and i was so upset and so worried this is probably like day four right my husband smokes he's got ptsd has had a medical card for years um and he was, I remember him in bed and he's like blowing the smoke in front of my face. Like, maybe it'll help. I know you don't want it, but maybe it'll help. <laughs> now, I got to ask you, who's been a role model in your life that you look at? Someone who's been a role model or a mentor to you that has helped you. Joanne, we'll start with you. Do you have someone who's been a role model? It can be not in professional, it can be in personal. It can be, you know, some people say, my father was a role model. My mom is a very strong role model to me because she was one of the, she took a class, marketing classes at Temple mm -hmm. in 1952. She was the only woman in her class and she had a job at Campbell's Soup going into her senior year when she graduated mm -hmm. so that was always she always put a good work ethic and my dad put a good work ethic in me yeah but who's who's been a role model for you Julian? I think it, it was my father because my father believed in all opportunities and to go for it and not to have fear whereas my mom she always would hold me back you know when I was going for my MBA she was like what are you doing that for you're going to get married you know <laughs> and so and you won't need that degree so for me, my father was like always that driving force to, you know, move to the next level and to educate yourself and invest in yourself through your education. And, you know, I certainly miss him and our, our chats and, and it's, it's a big loss without having him. How about you, Michael? I'm going to give you two, one personal, one professional. Uh, personally, I have to give uh, props to my mother. She's uh, is and and always was one of the most empathetic people you could ever meet. And she demonstrated raising four boys, uh, demonstrated throughout her entire life what it means to be present with someone and truly be there with them in the moment and listen and make them feel like they're important. And then professionally, there's a gentleman named Pete Taft who was a client of mine when I had my agency and he's a communication coach. And he basically mentored me about what communication and leadership coaching looks like, good communication and leadership coaching looks like. And he gave me uh, opportunities to observe him and basically taught me how to do this part of my career. And I'll always be grateful to him for that. How about you, Meg? Um, my aunt Laura. So it's my mom's youngest sister. She was in her early to mid twenties when she was diagnosed with MS and she pretty much went right into a wheelchair. She was in the army when she was diagnosed. So her life completely changed. She, and I don't know how old she was. It was only within a few years after the diagnosis, she was at the finish line or near the finish line of the Boston marathon as a spectator. And she saw the wheelchair athletes cross the finish line. And she's like, what am I doing sitting here? I should be doing something like that too. Mm -hmm. She went on to compete in so many games. She did three Paralympics in track and field, 88 in Seoul, Barcelona, and then retired in um, Atlanta in 96. Wow, that's so impressive. And, oh, then it gets better. She retired at that point. And then in 2006, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
And after beating breast cancer, there was um, there is a, an adaptive boathouse along the Schuylkill in Philly. And she started rowing to gain her strength back. And in 2008, at like 52, she competed in Beijing in rowing and came home with a bronze medal competing against wow. like- Wow, that's that awesome. That is, that is so this, You know, the yeah. perseverance and the determination that my aunt, you know, her entire life. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, it's she's always been a role model for me. I, and she's a role model to me just from that story. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> phenomenal. So here's the, one of my favorite parts of the show where I bitch about LinkedIn. But I'm going to before it because I, I love LinkedIn. Don't get me wrong. But the thing before, though, I want to bitch about Facebook real quick when it comes to business acquaintances you become friends with. All of a sudden, they send you like a, a, a link to like this page, like this business. And it's like, well, I, if, if it's your business, I'll like it. But I don't know this business. And that's something that eats me because someone sent me this person I can't stand. They sent like this guy's business. I'm like, hell no, I'm not even like the guy. But LinkedIn, okay, I get a lot of my guests from LinkedIn. And I think LinkedIn is very good. I know, Joanne, you're a little bit, you can't use it as, as good because right. of the constraints of the industry. Correct. Right. Um, the thing, the thing that's bothering me lately is a lot of these uh, coaches and motivational speakers. It seems like their New Year's resolution was to tell me what my New Year's resolution should be. You know, they sit there and they they go, "Oh, you got to do this, you got to do that." That being said, what irks you about LinkedIn? And uh, you can be honest. I, this is a safe space no one i don't give a shit if someone says oh if i i don't mention people by name i don't like but linkedin something there's stuff that bother people what's something that bothers you about linkedin megan the cold calling and your messages um a couple of years ago i had somebody i get it you copy and paste right at least change your name i forget the person's <laughs> name and it was a man's name too it was like so and so and then it was the copy and paste my response back was like, hey, next time you copy and paste, maybe you should make sure you have the right person's name in it. Um, it's so frustrating. And I know there's a time and a place for it. Uh, the ones that get past me in that, you know, the salesy pitch in the messaging are the people that are interacting with me on LinkedIn first, and then they send, send some kind of message rather than a, a straight cold call. Um, and then it's just, it's another job to keep up on it, I feel like. So that's kind of tiring and frustrating is trying to find out figure out the room in your schedule to interact with people on linkedin in addition to working your business what about you joanne i know because it might this question might not be as easy for you because you can't use it like some of but you, i'm sure you yeah, see I, mean, stuff. I can i can like what people say i can comment there but i can't promote and for me linkedin is just really a big bragging spot and I kind of look at that as Facebook at too, you know, and I feel like it's can be isolating for people. You know, if you're on Facebook and you're only showing the great aspects of your life and it just isolates other people that may not have that type of happiness in their life. For LinkedIn is like, I'm proud to share that I achieved this. It's, it's very bragging to me. I don't, I'm really glad it's not an opportunity for me for referrals and, and all that, but I use it just to, you know, have a presence and to keep the brand alive. And, but everything that I post, it, it is, you know, pre-manufactured. And if I do something customized, it really takes years off of my life. So I don't do it. How about you, Michael? 
Yeah, I LinkedIn is really my only active network. I left Facebook years ago, Instagram years ago, and I still have a Twitter or X account, but I barely on it because that's sometimes that's a very mm -hmm. sad place to me when I scroll through Twitter. But LinkedIn, I do really love, actually. I think the mm -hmm. one thing that irks me is similar to what Megan said. You know, someone's been following me. I they They connect with me. I accept. And then 60 seconds later, I get that pitch. And that's not why I'm on LinkedIn mm -hmm. to be pitched. I get pitched enough by by email all day long. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I'm very selective anymore. I used to have an open profile. I used to try to connect with as many people as possible. I, mm -hmm. I had to I had to treat it like a true network for me because time was wasting too much time, uh, you know, with all that sales calling that was coming through it. I will say that. You know, Joanne, what you said, I, I agree. A lot of it is bragging. There's a lot of people with Steve, you talked about all this advice over and over again. I'm very active on it with my posts. I'm trying really hard to be personal in my posts, to talk about when I'm not feeling as great, to lift people up and, and cheer mm -hmm. on people. So there's there are those of us that are out there, but I think the algorithms are just serving you what LinkedIn wants you to see that's going to keep you on the network. So it's a, it's a game. It is a game. My LinkedIn is completely different. My Facebook, my Facebook is pictures of food I cook, stupid jokes, and uh, pictures of me and my wife or me and out. I don't, I don't put any of the humor on LinkedIn because it's not the place for it. So here's the well, answer. it's funny on Facebook with my television show, I don't post it, but my partner puts it on my page, and sometimes I tell him, Martin, I, I feel like it's just like too much you know I don't want my first of all I don't think anybody's going to sit through a half hour show and and watch it every week that we do it but I tell him and he still does it so I have to like learn to pull that off myself yeah so when it goes up there so so here's here's a part of the show uh I I started a few like a few months ago and I, I really enjoy it because I personally don't read business books okay I'm not a business book reader some people devour them I know people why read this you know what is a book that you have read? And it can be a non-business book. You know, I mean, I learned how to shoot Jack Daniels through my arm from reading The Dirt by Motley Crue, which I've never intravenously shot Jack Daniels. They did that. What's a book that you have read that has made a difference for you? It could be in the past. It could be recently. Michael, is there a book that you've read that you sat there and went, it really sticks out to you? Yeah, there are several. I'm just trying to rack, go through my brain as this question was coming. I think one of the most impactful ones that I've read in recent years is called You According to Them by Sarah Kennedy. And the mm -hmm. reason it's an interesting book, it's all about perception and perception management, which is something I help clients with. But not a, so what it helped me do that book, because what she does in the book is she, she talks about how you're behaving and how it may be perceived from by someone else and it's she's got all these really great case studies and you can see yourself in these sometimes and it's it, it was really for me eye-opening to just see how you could be read by someone else and then another one um that's also in my space is um stand out by carol kinsey goldman that's all about body language and executive presence which is a really really good read because it's it's there's so much simple things that we all should be doing that we're not. How about you, Joanne? 
Um, the book that most influenced me, I loved, is a, a Random Walk Down Wall Street. So I think that that's got the whole market perspective in there for 100 years. And I'm able really to pull from that for different clients, depending on the, the phase they're in. But I tend to be a, a non-fiction a, a reader. So I belong to two book clubs and I run them. But, you know, they, those books, too, that I've read about World War II, they've opened up traveling opportunities for me. I was able to go visit certain con concentration camps based on the fiction that I read. So I give them a lot of credit, too. Okay. How about you, Megan? Yeah, I'm definitely a fiction. I read all the time. But um, I, I'm, I always want to read business books. I have a few. I start to read them. I get like a chapter or two in, and then I go back to fiction. But... One of the books that I recently read, I love memoirs as well. I just read um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's new book called Be Useful. My son's recently into weightlifting and this summer, him and I were in California and we got up super early one day, like 4.30 and we drove the hour to the original mm -hmm. Gold's Gym in Venice Beach and missed Arnold by like an hour. Not that we were going to mm -hmm. see him, but it would have been cool. Mm -hmm. But anyway, his book is about like the seven things that he stands for and that got him from where he was as a child to where mm -hmm. he is now. And one of them that really resonated with me, it was his last one, the seventh one in the book. And it was shut your mouth and open your mind. And it's about, you know, like being quiet and just being open to the opportunities and, you know, being curious and listening to what other people have to say. Um, and it's just the story of li his life is amazing. And, you know, any of the mm -hmm. seven things that he talks about, anybody could apply to their lives. If you haven't seen it, Netflix has a great documentary about him. So I don't know if it's still in it's a three-parter. It's, it's, it came out like a few months ago. It's, mm -hmm. his life is fascinating. I mean, you watch that, see the silver. I'm so, sure Joe's watched it. I'll have to ask him. It's great. So here's the mm -hmm. final question. I always ask this. You meet someone who's getting out of trade school, high school, college. They're starting their business life. They're starting, they, they're, they're, as my mom would say, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They want to go get them. What is advice that you would give to this person about what they should do to navigate their career and life? And we'll start with you, Joanne. I really think that it's important that people, young kids strive for excellence and to be the best that they can be. And I like to tell them there's always room at the top for the best, because I think we've been in a society of mediocrity. You know, kids that are on sports teams, they get prize, they get the trophies, whether they come in second or third, just for participating. So I really think that, you know, that you know, you work on your learning as much as you can. And the best way to do that is to learn from the people that are around you. So kind of always work up with, you know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, because you will learn from them and their experiences can help you. And so that when you go through, you know, a, a crisis or something difficult in your career, you have a mentor to work with. But I think that, you know, there is always room for the top for the best. How about you, Michael? I would say live in the moment and for the future and don't be too hard on yourself by looking in the past and looking at mistakes because I really feel like young people, especially when they're entering a the workforce, really try to be perfect, really worry they don't know enough mm -hmm. and they don't realize that we all understand where they're at. And they're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. And they're going to make mistakes. 
And as long as you're moving forward with positive intent, you got it. So ask questions, make mistakes, fall down, let people help and move forward because that's the only way you learn and grow. Megan? I love this question because I don't say the normal answer. My answer is be comfortable saying no. You know, especially when you're starting out, everybody will tell you, say yes to everything. Everything's an opportunity. Take advantage of every opportunity, but not every opportunity is the right opportunity. So rather than saying yes without thinking, you know, really think things through before you say yes. And like I said, it's okay saying no to something if it's not the right thing for you in that time. So yeah, the more comfortable any, any of us are in saying no, the stronger we're going to be when we can say yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. Today was awesome. I love talking to you all. How can people get in touch with you, Joanne? How can someone get in touch with you? And they can reach me at Ameriprise. The, my number there is 856-797-0200, extension 128. We're right, I'm located right on Route 73, and, you know, close in, in Marlton. So that's the best way. And they can contact you? you too, Steve. <laughs> How about you, Michael? Visit my website, we are Comvia, W-E, the word A-R-E, and then Comvia, C-O-M-V-I-A.com. You could also reach me at michaelpiperno.com, my name, and of course on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Megan? Yep, the website's the best. Uh, you can see what you what we do, what we offer. It's Siachia, C-I-A, C-C-I-A, C-P-A.com, and my email is Megan with two Gs, M-E-G-G-A-N, at Siachia, C-P-A.com. Mm -hmm. People, you can reach me at the coop tank at yahoo.com. If you want to advertise on the show, please reach out to me. You know, the people who do this show are very successful and popular individuals. And the people who watch it are very, a lot of shakers and movers in the business world. So it's a great way to get your word out about you. Also, uh, Saturday, February 24th, I will be doing stand up comedy at Pizzeria Uno right there on Maple Shade. Uh, it's like Form there every six months. It's a great show. So come out to that. And if you're a business professional looking to network, Wednesday, February 7th, it's Cocktails with Cooper. It splits at Laurel Lane. We usually get about 40 to 50 people. Just come in, you pay your own tab. It's very chill. And also, don't forget Sweet Recording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com. Reach out to Joe, the producer of my show. He's a great guy. He does a great job. You can reach him at hello at S-U-I-T-E, recording.com. Anyway, I'm Steve Cooper, and I will talk to you guys all next time.